My telephone rang. Where the hell have you been? It's almost ten o'clock. We're running a daily newspaper here, Carson, not a magazine. In my three weeks of employment, nothing had happened that warranted my presence at the paper at eight. Sorry, Brandon, I said. I was busy contemplating suicide, but I'm too much of a coward to carry through with it. So what's going on? I fumbled through a desk drawer for an aspirin bottle. Perhaps I should have apologized to Brandon Prescott, the publisher, but I didn't care for him or my job. Drop the pity party, Carson. We don't have time for it. The bulldoze in the gold rush. When they started scraping up the parking lot, they found a grave with five bodies in it. It's the biggest story of the decade. Joey's already there. I want you over there right now. And what the hell good is that page unless you turn it on? Brandon was steamed, but there was always something that had his blood pressure at the boiling point. Lately, it was me, his prize. He dragged me out of the gutter and put me in a suit and an office with an official press badge. If I were a better person, I'd be grateful. I'm on my way, I said, surprised at the tingle at the base of my skull. My reptilian brain felt a surge. Five bodies buried at one of the most glamorous and notorious nightclubs along the Gulf Coast. It could be a big story. In the 70s and 80s, the gold rush had been the pre-casino gathering place of the Dixie Mafia and the late-night party place where the young and beautiful of all social strata came to be seen. It was even possible someone had pushed up the tarmac and uncovered Jimmy Hoffa. After all, it was the Mississippi Gulf Coast. Anything was not only possible, but it was also probable. I walked out of my office and was met with the baleful glares of six reporters— they already knew about the bodies, and they'd been hoping it would be their story. By rights, it should have belonged to one of them, but I had the biggest name, and I got the choicest scraps Brandon tossed. I walked out into the March sunshine, hoping the bodies were either very old or very fresh. Once upon a time, driving along the Mississippi Gulf Coast had been a pleasure. Miles of lazy four-lane Highway 90 hugged the beaches where there were more migratory birds than fat sunbathers. With the advent of gambling in 1992, all of that changed. Sunbathers were already on the beach even though the March sun had barely warmed the water above 60 degrees. For at least a mile ahead, the traffic was almost at a standstill. If I didn't get to the gold rush soon, the bodies would be bagged and moved— in an effort to calm down, I turned my radio to a country oldie station. There was always a chance I'd catch a Roseanne Cash tune. Instead, I got Garth Brooks and the dance. There had been a time when I agreed with the sentiment expressed in the song. I changed. There were very few experiences worth the pain. I flipped off the radio and took a deep breath. Traffic started moving, and in another fifteen minutes I was at the club. Police cars and corner vans lined the shady shoulder of the highway, lights no longer flashing. Clusters of men in uniform stood whispering. Biloxi Police Department Deputy Chief Jimmy Riley sat behind the tinted windows of an unmarked car. It would have to be a big case for Riley to put in an appearance. Mitch Rayburn, the district attorney, was also on the scene, and I made a point to know as much as possible about him. Mitch was smart and ambitious, a man dedicated to protecting his community. There'd been a tragedy in his past, but I didn't know the exact details. Yet. 
what I saw was a man sincere about distributing justice. So far he seemed to play a straight hand, which would be a definite detriment to his future political ambitions. Detective Avery Bordeaux did everything but stomp his foot when he saw me pull up. Avery disliked reporters in general, and me in particular. We'd already had a run-in over a stabbing at a local high school. Hi, Avery, I said, because I knew he'd rather swallow nails than talk to me. I'll bet the bulldozer operator was shocked. I started toward the edge of the shallow grave and heard Avery bark an order to stop. Let her go, Mitch said. We're going to need the newspaper's cooperation. I almost turned around in shock. Mitch was being amazingly cooperative. Then I figured the crime scene had already been molested by a bulldozer. I could hardly do any more damage. The area was at a far back corner of the lot. Stumps and the damaged stalks of vegetation indicated that it had once been a shady, secluded spot.